Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm your host, John Leahy. Thanks again for being with us. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode as we reflected back on the life and times of Vin Scully. And I added a few baseball stories uh, to kind of augment that. If you'd like to listen to that episode or any other episode that's been done, I invite you to check out the website for the podcast. It's at LeahyStorytelling.com. That's L-E-A-H-Y Storytelling.com. Lots of cool features on that website. You can leave me a voicemail. There's a uh, purple microphone at the bottom right corner of each uh, page of the website. There's also a place where you can leave a review, either uh, zero to five stars, and add your own commentary. There's also a video section as well as a blog section. So it's very interactive and it's a pr- pretty cool thing. So I invite you to check that out if you'd like. And again, uh, you can do a search for any past episode that has been done. And uh, that is a cool feature and I uh, hope you'll take advantage of that. So This week on the podcast, we're going to dive into the world of sports information. And as a play-by-play broadcaster at the college level, I am very dependent on sports information people. I've worked with a lot of them over my career. And uh, the gentleman I'm bringing in today is a former colleague of mine who worked uh, with me at Merrimack College for a few years. He's now the assistant director for athletic communications at Johnson and Wales University. It's my very distinct pleasure to bring in my old friend Pete DeVito to the podcast today. Pete, thanks so much for being here. Looking forward to talking with you. Same here, John. Hope everything's going well with you, and I'm excited to get on the podcast with you. Well, thank you, Pete. Uh, I wanted to introduce our audience to the world of sports information, and you certainly have a ton of experience in that uh, arena, and we're going to get to that shortly. But I thought we'd uh, start by taking a look at your your career. I know that... uh, you went to Towson University in 2001 down in Maryland. You did some communications work there, and uh, you worked for three years in the Towson Athletic Department. Uh, was that what kind of uh, whetted your appetite to get into this uh, nature of the business? Yeah, it's kind of something I, I mean, I think a lot of people fall kind of backwards into their jobs sometimes. And for me, you know, when I was in college, I knew I wanted to be in sports. And at the time, I thought I wanted to be on Sports Center. You know, I watched Rich Eisen, Stuart Scott, Dan Keith uh, growing up, and, and I thought that's the direction I wanted to go. And so I jumped into the campus TV station. Uh, we cut some hockey highlights and some other sports, and they put me on TV, on camera, and I watched the replay back and really didn't think I was that good. Um, so maybe I didn't give myself a very long leash with that one, um, but I dove into the sports information field and the marketing side of things. So when I worked in the athletic department down there, I worked mostly with the marketing group, uh, selling football programs at games and things like that. I, I worked on getting officials paid who worked games. And then when I was graduating, I was looking to stay in the area, and I was looking to to stay in athletics, and I came across a job on the Towson website that talked about keeping statistics and writing press releases and photography at games, and I thought, well, geez, those are all the things I like to do, and so uh, long story short, I didn't end up working at Townsend. I didn't end up getting that position, Um, but what I did was I emailed, I'm from New Jersey, uh, so I emailed every school in New Jersey, and I looked up their sports information people and just kind of introduced myself and told them I was looking for work, landed a couple interviews out of it. Uh, One of them was at Rutgers University, and they were looking to expand from basically one intern to three. And so I had the choice of two jobs at that point. I was offered a job at a local newspaper that I used to freelance write for, and I was offered this job at Rutgers University. And the newspaper job was going to pay me somewhere around $25,000 to cover city council meetings and school board meetings, and Rutgers was going to pay me $10,000 for one year uh, to work in sports. And I knew when I went for the interview at Rutgers, I walked into the rack, and I saw the basketball arena, and I knew that they were – this is the true Big East now we're talking 
second, Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College, all these schools. And I was like, this is where I want to be. And so I took the shot on the one year, um, and this is going to be my 21st year in athletics. So it uh, didn't exactly work out exactly the way I drew it up as far as working at Towson, um, but here I am still in college athletics 20 years later. Yeah, that's great stuff. And uh, from there, you went over to uh, Goldie Beacom College, and uh, that was a significant, Pete, because you were the first ever SID at that institution. I was. I was. Uh, so I did my one stop at Rutgers. I spent a couple of years at the University of Delaware, uh, where the football team won a national championship, which was great to be a part of. And then from there, uh, the school right up the road uh, was looking for an, a sports innovation director, a part-time position. And uh, I thought between that and doing some freelance at Delaware and some other jobs um, that I could get by and pay my rent at that point. So I uh, went there for a year. It was a lot of great experience. You know, they didn't have a logo at the time. Uh, they really didn't have an athletics website at the time. So um, I didn't get the website done, but I started to push in that direction. Uh, we got our first logo done uh, with, the, with the school. So we had some marks for athletics. So it was a good time in my life. You know, I wasn't making a ton of money, uh, but I was really having a good time working at the University of Delaware, working at Goldie Beacom. Um, and in a sense, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say it extended my college stretch, but I mean, I kind of had a couple extra years there just where I was, you know, amongst the uh, the college kids working. And, and uh, I had a good time working in the athletic center uh, at the University of Delaware as well. They have the, the rec center. I spent some part time there, so I made some good friends. And just it was a good time in my life, honestly. I missed that area of uh, the country for sure. Yeah, and you know, uh, that's what you and I have in common because I actually attended the University of Delaware. Delaware for one year as part of a national student exchange program, and I made a lot of great friends down there. And I'm, I'm just curious about uh, how much you enjoyed that Delaware experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was the old joke in Wayne's World about Delaware. <laughs> We're in Delaware, and so for me, you know, I didn't have much to think of. But it is a—it's a really nice college town. Uh, the Dupont family obviously donated a lot of money to the college, so it's, it's everything you would think of a college campus. It's you know, brick brick walkways and, and nice big buildings, things like that. Um, and there's Main Street, just like a lot of towns have Main Street. There's a couple of bars and restaurants there, and you know, I did my fair share of uh, frequenting them at the time. But uh, I really enjoyed <laughs> it, honestly. You know, and, and the location for me it was close enough to New Jersey where I could get home when I wanted to, uh, close enough to Maryland when I wanted to go back and visit some friends at Townsend and see some Tigers games. It was great. The Orioles were there. And obviously, Philadelphia was there, too. So I learned about how just crazy uh, fanatical Philadelphia fans are about their sports. So for me, being a sports junkie, it was kind of the best of everything. Again, Philadelphia, Baltimore, New Jersey, not far from New York, obviously. Um, and again, I, I really enjoyed the town there. Um, I went back a couple summers ago and took my son to visit and showed him where I lived and a couple of the restaurants we used to go to. And it just it was a good time in my life. It, it was a nice part of the country I enjoyed living in. Um, and it's definitely someplace I go when I can just to stop back and visit. It's uh, a pretty cool place for me. Yeah, I was there in 1987, so I have uh, I have a lot of great memories of that place. From there, Pete, you uh, headed to North Andover, Mass. You uh, wound up in New England, and uh, you joined Merrimack College in 2005. That's where you and I met, and uh, you were there for a couple of years, and uh, we had some great times together there, Pete. One of the memories I have is uh, the trip we made out to Alaska. That is still uh, the only time I've been to Alaska in my life, so maybe you could reflect back on your times at Merrimack and how influential that was in your career. Yeah, that was a, a key time in my life because I had come up on, like, I'd done a couple of internships. I wasn't making a ton of money, and I was really looking just, you know, personally to make a change in my life. And at the time, being, again, sports junkie that I am, and I'm a big New York Mets fan, truth be told, but the Red Sox had won in 2004, and this is the summer of 2005 now. And I just remember thinking, I was like, Boston just seems like a really cool place to go and live. Like, you know, I was still young enough, and I was single where I said, let me just make a change in my life right now. And I said, I kind of bookmarked, you know, Boston area uh, somewhere I wanted to go. Uh, and this job at Merrimack opened up and uh the great Aaron Todd brought me in for an interview and uh, I thought I did a really good job and he thought so too so he brought me on uh summer of 05 and, and I moved up to 
Massachusetts. I found some people to live with for a little bit. Um, and again, just it, very fun time in my life. You know, again, not making a ton of money, um, but just living in a different area. I made some good friends. I was playing softball at the time uh, with some people that I had met up there uh, and just enjoying being being at Division One hockey. You know, I, I like to think of myself as a hockey person through and through, but this was kind of my first experience working at a Division One hockey program. And at the time, you know, I'm, I come in and I'm there for three months. And then lo and behold, uh, Aaron Todd uh, is no longer at Merrimack. And so they said, Pete, you know, we brought you in as the assistant SID, but we need you to hold things down for a couple of months. Um, and so, you know, that first year for me there, and, and it was Mark Dennehy's second year as head coach, uh, it, it was a learning experience to say the least. I mean, you know, we talked about the Alaska trip and, um, you know, the games we had out there, but I think of the trip where you went to Wayne State and you ended up broadcasting games for the Merrimack over a phone because just the technology wasn't working for us. And it's just, we had a lot of issues at that time with just things like that at Merrimack. And it's good to see where the program is now that, you know, they've been back on their feet for a little while now. They've made some runs in the Hockey East tournament um, and they've renovated the arena, which is great. But for us, I think of the Alaska trip a lot. I think about the tour that the team took that I missed out on because I got stuck at the hotel. Um, I think about, unfortunately, you know, the losses that we had, we didn't win either of those games uh, at the tournament. But I think about that time. Yeah, pretty fondly in my career for sure. Yeah, I, I often refer to those days, Pete, as growing pains. You know, the uh, yeah. Merrimack made uh, a change in the uh, coaching uh, at, at for uh, men's hockey, and and there was a lot of uh, a lot of change, a lot of growing pains. But uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for you that that you were able to uh, come out of that uh, su- successfully, and and uh, it was uh, great having you there at Merrimack. But uh, you went. Uh, on to URI, Pete, 2007. You worked in sports communication there, and uh, that was a little bit closer to home for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I kind of started into my way back, and at the time, uh, you know, my girlfriend was, uh, we were dating in, in Massachusetts, and I roped her into moving to Rhode Island by, with the promise of getting a dog. So uh, we got the dog, <laughs> moved to Rhode Island, um, and I, I think that for me, it wasn't being candid with you, it wasn't the most enjoyable uh, year of my career. I definitely, you know, again, I learned a lot through it. I got to work with Division One football again. And for me, I think the highlight of that was having worked in the CAA when I was at the University of Delaware as an intern and then being able to come back, you know, five years later, per se, maybe a little bit less than that, and be, you know, hey, I'm actually an SID now. I'm no longer an intern, no longer a GA. You know, I make a real salary now. And working with some of those football colleagues that I had met when I was at Delaware was kind of cool for me. So it was like, hey, look at me. I've all grown up and, and here I am. Um, but just, you know, some things didn't work out the way I wanted them to over there. Um, but, you know, I, I made great connections. And again, I'm in still in Rhode Island. This is over 15 years later. Um, still working at different schools there. So uh, learning experience for me. I was glad I got to work with the football team over there. Um, but then, uh, you know, moved on and, and uh, did some better things, I think, for my career. Let me ask you something, Pete. Is there any chance that URI could go uh, Division One in college hockey? Because, you know, Hockey East has been talking about adding a 12th team. I think URI would be just a perfect fit. Where they'd have a natural rivalry with Providence, also UConn in the mix. Uh, what do you think is, is the possibility of that happening? I think with Hockey East, you know, and, and I've – known people in hockey for a long time now. I think that they are incredibly selective uh, with who they bring into the conference. You know, we had Notre Dame for a couple of years came in. Uh, Holy Cross has always been knocking at the door somebody who wanted to come in as well. Um, but they want to be selective with it. And I, I think with URI, I think there's uh, facilities, you know, they play at the Boss Ice Arena now, which is somewhere that it could be upgraded um, to possibly a Division One school. Um, but I think with hockey's now, I mean, they're not looking to bring in a bunch of teams. Now we've got Division One football, which is a whole other thing where, you know, conferences bring in 14, 16, 18 teams at this point. 
Um, but I think with hockey, they're pretty happy with where they're at. I'm not speaking for them, of course, um, but I think in my opinion, they're pretty happy where they're at. They don't feel a need to have an even number of teams. It's an odd number of teams, but they're all quality teams. They're happy with that. And you look at who they have brought in. UConn came in a couple of years ago, and they were in the hockey championship this year. So, I mean, that right there goes, they really do their deep dive. They do their homework on it. And I think if anything, if they were looking at URI, I think they would you know, want to look at a lot of commitments for, you know, we need to make sure you have a rink here and the funding is going to be here. We don't want to have kind of a doormat in Hockey East. Um, again, not speaking on half of Hockey East, but my two cents on it. I think they're pretty happy with where they're at right now. Um, and I know URI has looked for years to men's basketball has kind of been their program. I think they went to the, I think the sweet 16 or the round of 32 a couple years ago with Danny Hurley before he left for UConn. I think they've kind of hung their hat on basketball. Providence has kind of taken over as the king of Rhode Island basketball the last couple of years uh, with Bryant kind of jumping in the NCAA tournament this past year. But I think with URI, they like they like the growth of their football program. They're obviously not where the James Madisons are, well, where the Delawares are, like that. But they're getting better there, and they they put a lot of their you know the kind of their stock in their men's basketball program. So I think those are the two they hang their hat on right now. And I think if you're going to jump into hockey, you really need to have a solid commitment behind it and again not speaking for you or either i don't know if that's there right now either okay pete uh, you went uh to salve regina then from 2008 to 2011 you spent three years there tell us about how that job opened up and uh, maybe some reflections on that experience yeah it was interesting i mean living in rhode island i moved in 2007 and newport is obviously you know, known for its, its the tennis hall of fame is there, and there's a bunch of touristy attractions in Newport. A lot of New Yorkers spend their summers there and have houses and whatnot there, and the Breakers Mansion. So I had never been to Newport, and so when Savergina opened up, uh, quite honestly, I wasn't exactly sure where it was. I knew it was a job in Rhode Island that I was looking for, and again, I was looking for a change uh, for myself. And uh, I met Ed, Ed Habershaw, who's still down there working in athletic communications. He's still a good friend of mine, and uh, he brought me in there. And it's my first taste of Division Three, and I'd always been at Division One. I'd been at Division to a little bit at Merrimack, dabbling with Division One hockey. And Division Three has over 400 schools uh, in its affiliation. So many of them I, I wasn't familiar with at the time. So it was really a learning experience for me to get to learn about the colleges, where they were. Um, and just the, the learning the Division Three, it's, it's the, the student-athlete experience is so key here you know not that it's not a division one and, and so forth but especially now with nils and and you know you always hear about players getting money under the table and things like that you really get to be a true student athlete here and the biggest thing i tell you is it, the competition is the same it's just you have i think one you have a better balance between student athlete and classes and i think just the size of some of the student athletes you know it's still good quality football they're just not as big as alabama is basketball some of these kids can really play but they maybe just you know they're five eight guard as quick as all can be as opposed to a six three guard that might be playing at providence or brian so i think that was the biggest difference for me was just learning that it's not necessarily that knocking against division three but you get a more well-rounded experience as a student athlete whereas at division one you're at times an athlete first and sometimes a student second. That's not the case everywhere, but that is in some instances. So I think that's why I work, like working at Division Three. But it was my first taste into it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously I'm here 15 years later, just different institution, but same level of competition. Well, Pete, from there you moved on to Wheaton College in Norton. Uh, you did some sports information work there. You were there for one year. Uh, tell us about that that experience and, and uh, what you learned from it. Sure. I, I think, you know, with a lot of these stops, you learn a lot about yourself and, and where you go. And I think for me, looking at that, uh, I took a shot on myself. It was an interim position uh, for the year. And uh, kind of the, the promise was there were a few of us that were interim, the athletic director and the assistant athletic director and so forth. And so there was kind of a, if things go well, 
uh, we will all be permanent. And if things may not break the way we need them to, we may all go back to different jobs. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the short end of it is it, it didn't quite work out for me. It wasn't something that I did. Uh, it just it was administrative decisions uh, made above athletics uh, that wanted to restructure things. So it didn't work out well. So I think for me, what I learned from that is now, again, at the time, my wife was pregnant with my, with my son. Um, so we were preparing for his arrival. And then for me, I found out you know, in early April that, hey, come the end of May, you don't have a job here anymore. And so uh, what became the struggle for me was every day, you know, knowing that you're going to this job that in your mind didn't want you, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want you to come back. And you have to fight the urge to just say, screw it um, and do your job and be a professional and, and treat the student athletes the way they deserve to be treated. And, and more importantly, cover them the way they deserve to be covered. And so for yep. me, the baseball team won the national or went to the national championship game that year and lost. So I was working till May 30th, really my last day there. And so it was strange because the team was doing so well and, and I wanted them to win because I cared so much about the student athletes. And then there's part of me that would just wanted to be done and wanted to come home because the school didn't want me. You know, I wanted to be with my wife at the time and we were respecting our child and just kind of prepare for what was next. So I was pulled in different directions. Um, you know, mentally with that. Um, and, and the saving grace for me, in a sense, when I look back on was the 2012 New Jersey Devils made a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. And that was a tremendous distraction for me when I had, you know, work maybe wasn't going great. Uh, and I just wasn't, you know, mentally having a good day. But I come home and watch the Devils play a playoff game. And that's something, as you know, in the last 10 years, I think they've only had four or five. So at that time, that was so important for me was to be able to come and watch them and just try to figure out what was going to come next for me. So I enjoyed um, a good chunk of the experience. I loved going to the baseball championship, uh, but there was always a sense of emptiness knowing that no matter what happened, win or lose, I wasn't necessarily going to be a part of it much longer. Um, so that was difficult for me to do. And, of course, uh, from Wheaton College, you then made the transition to Nichols College, where you spent a decade, Pete. You were there 2013 up until earlier uh, this year. You were the Athletic Communications Director. And, uh, you know, Pete, I saw some uh, uh, posts on your Facebook page uh, actually one particular post uh, recently that uh, talked about how fond you were of Nichols. Uh, obviously, you have to be to spend a decade there, but uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how special that was and, and your experiences there. Sure. I mean, for me, coming off of the Wheaton position um, and kind of not knowing what was going to come next, I had a friend at Nichols who had been in sports communications, and we had just spoken, maybe it was in March, and she had mentioned she was leaving, and that uh, her fiance or husband had taken a job in Maryland and they were leaving and um, so oh, that's great congratulations and then a few weeks later I found out I wasn't coming back to Wheaton and I reached out to her and she said do you want my job and I said well that's kind of why I'm calling you now and so she really kind of put the bug in in the athletic director's ear and a couple weeks later I was employed over there so um, it was a really fun time I and mean, I got to do uh, so many fun things that I'd always wanted to do uh, in athletic communications, you know, and I got to, I revamped their website. I, I redid all the record books. And th there's so many things I look back on during that time that I'm proud of that I did because I look at where the office was when I got there. And the SEC before me, you know, had done an adequate job and they had done well with things. I like to think I took it to another level and just really reorganized things with the Hall of Fame and with record books. Um, and I know the amount of time I took to do it and how much detail went into getting everything that I wanted to Um and that was fantastic. And I developed great relationships with the coaches. I, softball especially, I got to go to Florida for nine years with the team and, and do stats and just kind of spend some quality time out of New England during the wintertime and get down there and enjoy some stuff. So that was always great. 
the hockey team won three conference championships there. Um, and I had a good relationship with the coaches and the student athletes there. A lot of them worked for me as work study kids. Um, so I, I do, I, I have great memories of there. Um, a lot of hours in the car. That was an hour and five minute commute from my house each way that I did for 10 years. And as my son got older and was involved in sports and involved in school more, it just it became more and more difficult to miss things. And I was constantly rushing from campus to get back for a baseball game or pick him up at school or if he was sick. And just there was just so many miles put on the car. I went through, I think, three or four cars when I was there. So it just, uh, I really enjoyed the time there, but it just got to where, you know, the last two, three years, I kind of felt like, you know, at some point I kind of need to come home. I, I live in Warwick, Rhode Island, which again, an hour, five minutes from Nichols, I felt like I needed to come back here and, and just be around my family more. And so that was super important to me. So, um, after 10 years there, um, opportunity came to come home and, uh, I'm super excited about it, but I do, you know, I, I look back on Nichols and just, they gave me so many opportunities to just really, uh, build my career. And just, I always joke that they give you the keys to the car and they gave me the keys to the car and they let me run and kind of just do the things that I wanted to do and, and make the decisions I thought would be best for the institution. Um, and that was really great, you know, and I'm always going to be thankful for them of that. Um, and I'm always going to look back fondly on my time at Nichols. Absolutely, Pete. And that brings us to the uh, recent, uh, most recent uh, job you have. You were hired at Johnson and Wales University as the assistant director for athletic communications. Uh, so tell us about how that job opened up and uh, and how you expressed your interest in that position. Sure. I mean, the last couple of years, like I said, I, I've looked around a little bit just to, you know, if there were any opportunities that might bring me closer to home. And, and there have been some things, you know, I talked to some schools about some jobs, but in the end, um, I always felt like at the end of the day, I was in a great position at Nichols. Uh, again, keys to the car, you know, and I wasn't ready to turn those in yet. And I think for me, having made jobs transitions in the past that maybe I wasn't thrilled with or I thought maybe I rushed into and didn't do enough homework on, I always told myself the grass isn't always greener. You know, I said, I'm in a good spot right now. And if I leave, it's got to be for something really great. Um, and I did see this opportunity Johnson Wales open up. Um, and it's something that in the past had been open and been available to me. Um, but timing wasn't always right. And again, I thought it, it many points my position right now and where I'm at and my comfort level with Nichols is just this is the best spot for me right now uh, but looking at the timing of this opportunity to come home uh, the amount of sports I'd be covering uh, being the uh, assistant athletic director and having the opportunity to do some administrative roles so something I'd been looking to do in my career um, I wasn't exactly sure I was going to get that at Nichols and so that was an opportunity for me here um, and they could not have been more welcoming uh, made me feel at home made me feel wanted which I feel like is such an important thing um, you know we joke about athletes and you know they need to be paid to feel wanted me just having a school that you can tell during the interview process seems really interested in your skill set and, and sees what you can do for their institution and that made me feel really good and I think when I got here and I've only been here I think this is my ninth day on the job it, it was a change I didn't think I needed or I didn't know I needed until I got here and then I got here and I just wow this is a breath of fresh air for me and and the commute was a factor in this as well going from an hour and five minutes each way to work to now being 18 minutes from my house. It just, it's mentally, it's life-changing, John. And it's something where, you know, I've been working late the last couple of days. And maybe when I was at Nichols, it kind of hung on my neck like an albatross because I knew at some point I got to get in the car and make this hour and five minute drive home. And some days it was fine because you could decompress. And other days it just, it was really an hour and five minute drive home. And so now just knowing that, hey, I can be home in less than 20 minutes, 
it just it makes everything in my life easier. And plus, if you really look at it, I'm getting almost two hours of my life back a day because on days where I take my son to school, I was spending almost three hours in the car round trip. So for me now, it's 40 minutes round trip. That's almost two hours a day that I have back. So I've joined a new gym. I've splurged and bought myself a personal trainer and started to take care of myself again and kind of take my life back a little bit. So it's an opportunity that I'm, I'm incredibly excited for, and I genuinely mean that. Um, because I feel like working with the teams I have this fall, I can really give them the attention they deserve, put my full focus on these four programs, whereas at times I felt at Nichols where maybe I was covering too many teams and being pulled in too many different directions. Um, and it just I always felt like maybe, not to the coaches or to anyone there, but to myself, I felt like maybe I was shortchanging teams. And I hated feeling that way. And I think this is an opportunity for me to really do some great things here and be closer to home and, and just, you know, kind of be a better dad and, and a better boyfriend and, and just all those things. So it's something I'm really excited about. And, you know, we get started in, uh, I think, right a week from today, we've got our first game. So really excited to get going. Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably jumping right into the deep end of the pool, right? Because, uh, you know, the fall is right around the corner and, you know, there are some sports going on now. So uh, I know you love the challenge. Uh, and like I said, you're jumping right into the deep end of the pool there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a little tricky. You know, this is a little bit of a learning curve. I mean, for me, luckily, uh, you know, I, I've, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've got a good idea to say, hey, right when you come in, this is what you have to get done to get ready for the year. And there's 50 other things I want you to get done, but it's going to take a little time, and it's not something I can do right now. And I think the coaches are going to be very patient with me. The administration has been incredibly supportive right now. I've got a couple calls later on today about some changes uh, with some other things we're looking at. So I'm excited about that. Um, but, again, just, you know, I, I won't get overwhelmed because, I, you know, I've been doing fall sports for a long time now. I think for me, it's like, are my laptops ready? Is the webcast equipment working? And then once the game starts, it's, you know, like riding a bike for me. It just, it's, you know, July 1st, sometime in July would have been easier to make a transition time-wise, but I mean, it is what it is. I'm still incredibly happy to be here and, you know, I, I will, I'm excited just to see what this fall holds me and just how different it's going to be and how much just better my quality of life is going to be being so much closer to home. All right, Pete, let's talk about uh, sports information. Uh, let's talk about a, a typical day in the life of Vanessa. SID and and the role that the SID plays in helping the play-by-play broadcaster, for example, in uh, in a college event. Uh, and tell us some of the things that uh, sports information sports information directors do on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean the, the interesting thing with sports information, there's so many different ways to go with this. Is that there really is no typical day. I mean, there's day, there's your game day, you know, which could be your Fridays and Saturdays, where you know you run around covering five different events, or you're prepping uh, your webcasts and your press box and things. And then there's like your Monday, where you come in and you nominate your players of the week, and you kind of just, you know, you, you prepare things for later in the week. You know, get your uh, players of the week releases done. Uh, you set up your social media graphics for the week, and just kind of go from there. So there really isn't a, a typical day. Um, there's really kind of just your your off days, and then there's your game days. Is kind of how I look at it too. Um, the profession has changed so much in the 20 years I've been here, and social media is obviously a massive uh, responsibility for that. And I think for me, the, the story I always tell is when I used to do this job in 2001, 2003, the first thing you did was you'd come inside, you'd fax the box score of the game to the other school, and then you write your press release and get it to the media and you get it on your website. Now, in a sense, that press release is a lot of times the last thing you do because it's, okay, the game is done. Did we get our stats on the website? Did we get the social media graphic up on Twitter and on Instagram? And then you kind of back to, is the webcast archived? Did we cut the videos yet? And then, okay, now we're done. I'm going to post a quick blurb on the on the website about it. And you don't write a lot of detail because people just read less than they used to. So I think for that aspect, um, it's changed tremendously. In terms of the broadcast side of things, and, and this goes not just for Division One, but Division Two, II, Division Three. The webcast is such a massive thing. Now, obviously, Division One, 
these most of these games are on TV. There's TV deals with ESPN and Fox Sports and whatnot. But these SIDs are not only responsible for setting up these pregame meetings. You know, so maybe the day before the team comes in, they meet with the coach, they might meet with student athletes, do a quick interview, and they need to provide notes. Hey, what's the, the all-time series with these teams? Who's hot? Who's you know looking at being drafted? So we prep the broadcasters for these things, and we prepare the student athletes to go into the sports world. And this isn't just for athletics. This is in real life now. Division one. A lot of times you're prepping them for maybe an NFL draft, for an NBA draft, and you working with the media. Division three, you prep them for life in general and just, you know, whether it's going for a job interview, you check, you work on them on how to speak to the media, how to speak to uh, recruiters, how to speak to potential employers. And so those are things that we work on there. And you see it now where you see some athletes come up into Major League Baseball in the NFL, and you see a bad press conference or you see a bad locker room interview. And sometimes it's a lack of this is not a knock on the PR professional, by means, but sometimes you can tell that athlete maybe wasn't properly trained coming through college um, or, or maybe ignored the media. You know, I, I can speak of one player who I won't name in particular with the Worcester Red Sox, who is now with the Boston Red Sox. He does not have time for the media, and he never did when he was in Worcester. And that's a problem now when he's in Boston because when he gets in front of the camera, he doesn't know how to deal with, with the media and with the people. So um, that's not a knock on the PR professionals. That's a knock on the player for not recognizing the importance of it. So some of it is our job to just let these guys know, especially with NILs and your own brand and your marketing, training these student-athletes to – Learn how to talk to the media, how to give proper answers, things to stay away from. You don't want the guy to be up there and be vanilla all the time, but you also there's things you don't want him saying. So that's something the sports information directors do. Ideally, get these kids when they're in college and get them trained uh, to go out into the real world a lot of ways. So besides that, again, we serve as liaison to the media. So we want to tell your story. So for me, especially at the Division three level, you know, I'm in a market where I've got the Providence Friars or top dog, and it's a pro sports area, the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins. So for me, I need to find my niche story, and I need to make good relationships with the reporters in the area to get us coverage on the stage. Our website's our marketing tool. Our social media is our marketing tool. We're not going to get you know, eight, ten lines in the projo every day. But if we've got a good story to tell, it's up to me to get a hold of those coaches, to get a hold of those student-athletes, to find out about that story, and then be able to sell it to the media. And it's picking choosing. I think if I'm in the projo's here every day about stuff, I become white noise. But if I come in every couple weeks or maybe every couple months with a good story, hey, John Smith has a great story to tell. We're going to give him the time of day because it's recognizing where we stand in the market. So um, I think the SID role has changed a ton over the years. Um, and hopefully in some long, we're on about way of my rambling there, I gave some insight as to what we do. Absolutely. We're talking with Pete DeVito. He's the Assistant Director for Athletic Communications at Johnson and Wales University. You're listening to Airing It Out, files from Leahy's broadcast booth. And again, you can find Find our website at LeahyStorytelling.com. Pete, uh, the most important part of uh, the SID in terms of uh, a play-by-play, uh, I guess from a play-by-play perspective, is uh, the game notes. You know, we rely on those so many for so much for preparation. Uh, tell us how what goes into the preparation of those game notes and how you ensure that the broadcasters have what they need on game day. Sure. I think for us, it's making sure, like, you know, again, for me right now, I work with a lot of student broadcasts. So it's making sure for them, they come in, they've got statistics for both teams. They've got all-time records for each team. They know if kids are coming off awards, players of the week, if they've been all conference players in the year before uh, or this coming year, if they're looking to maybe break in their records is a massive thing. Are they coming close to breaking any records, all-time leading scorer, all-time leading assist, things like that. So try to make sure they have all that information. Um, and a key as well is having those pronunciation guides ready. And it, it sounds like a little thing. I'm literally staring at one on my desk right now, but it is something that the worst thing you can have is 
student who's broadcasting or a play-by-play announcer who's broadcasting butchering someone's name, especially oh, someone yeah. from the home team. You don't want to have that. So that's something I try to take a lot of time in doing, make sure I put it together, and make sure I go over it with the announcers big time too. So it's something I think it's it's a little bit uh, something you don't think of necessarily, but it is something that's super important. And you know this, John. If you come in and Vermont's coming in or BU or whoever, you know, the pronunciation a lot of times are on the line chart for you, but you're still going to want to meet with that SID if you can for minutes just to make sure you're not butchering anybody. And, Absolutely. You know, there was one, and I'm going to I'm gonna pick him on a little bit, but, you know, I listened to Jack Edwards do Bruins Devils games again Devils guy and uh, I think it was Dmitry Kulikov and he kept calling him by the wrong name and I'm I'm yelling at the TV going it's not it's not right it's not right and <laughs> nobody was fixing him so it's things like that where you don't want to have it happen with your team when you're broadcasting and so those are little things that we do but for me it's making sure I stay as up to date on record books as I can to make sure the announcers know when records are coming um, and again just who's playing well injuries aside, you're not necessarily hey, so-and-so's out of the lineup tonight, can't tell you why, but, you know, HIPAA rules, things like that, but making sure they know who's in, who's out, um, and just kind of the heartbeat of the team. You know, if there's any funny stories that happen, maybe let the media know, hey, this is something, you know, between these two guys, or they were college, or they were, you know, junior teammates, or things like that, so let them know, but for us, it's making sure, you know, you guys have records, you guys have updated stats, and you guys know pronunciations. That's a big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely, and as a broadcaster, if we get a name wrong, oftentimes we'll get an email from a parent uh, telling us that we screwed up. So it, it's something that we, we have to take very seriously as broadcasters, and we're very grateful for the SID help, of course. Uh, Pete, I wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, work with the New York Jets. Uh, you're a media relations assistant with the Jets. Uh, you also do stats for the New York Jets broadcast. How did that come about, and how much fun is that to be a part of? Uh, I mean, the last couple of years has been rough. They haven't been super successful, you know, and, and I'm excited to see what the team can do this year with the healthy Zach Wilson and some young receivers in the core. But for me, um, it comes back to, you know, who you know. And so years ago, I worked at the University of Delaware, and the boss who, or my boss at the University of Delaware, one of his former interns was working with the New York Jets, and he knew I was a Jets fan. And so when I was working at URI, again, this is years later, he reached out and said, hey, you know, one of my former interns is now with the Jets. Uh, would you like to go up to a game? And, of course, I wanted to. So he put me in touch with him, and I said, hey, you know, I'd love to come just kind of burrow myself in the corner of the press box and watch a game and see how everything runs. And he said, well, I can't just put you in the press box, but I can put you to work. So I said, great. So this is the end of the 2007 year. So my first year in Rhode Island, working at URI, and uh, I worked the last two Jets games of the year. Uh, and those roles really just I handed out stats in the press box, and I think I transcribed uh, visiting locker rooms. So I went so right away, to, hey, you go into the visiting locker room. So for me, you know, again, a little bit of sorry, sorry, I had a little bit there. So you go in the locker room, and they say, just follow the reporters around and throw your microphone in and just get a couple quotes and come back. So I uh, did that my first year, 2008, the summer. Uh, I got an email from the Jets saying, hey, welcome back for the 2008 year. So I guess I did a good enough job and didn't screw up enough uh, where they didn't want to bring me back. So that was the Brett Favre year with the Jets. So it came in. They were pretty good then. Nine and ten, they went to the back-to-back ACC or, uh, AFC championship games, uh, which was a ton of fun. I traveled to a couple games, worked a few of them. Um, and it's been a struggle since then. You know, they've been close in 2015. Um, but not quite able to get back to the playoffs yet. So for me, again, it's a three-hour drive down, three-hour drive back. But again, I grew up a New York Jets fan. So for me, being able to work for the team that I grew up watching and rooting for is really, it's a dream come true. It's cheesy at the might sound. It really is. And so for me, having that opportunity to work with the Jets led to in – 2013 or 14, I can't remember exactly what year, uh, the Super Bowl was held at MetLife Stadium. I was chosen to be a volunteer for the media relations staff there. So I got to attend the Super Bowl. I got to work in the Super Bowl, which, again, if you think about it, it's one of those things where 
there's not really a bigger event in sports. If you want to argue March Madness, I'll take it. But, you know, the biggest event in sports, and, and here I am working. So it was pretty cool to see kind of where I started from and just kind of work my way up to where I was riding the elevator up to the press box thinking this is kind of as big as it gets, and, and I didn't really think I would ever be there. So it's been a lot of fun for me. Um, and then I tied in the radio station. I think when they moved to the new place, uh, the radio station was looking for someone to help them with stats during the game. So we talked about the importance of statistics and, and notes for broadcasters. For me, I'm on the headset with Bob Shoes and Marty Lyons doing the Jets game, and whenever there's a big passing play or a big run or an interception, you know they rely on me to tell them how long it was. So if there's a big passing play, if you hear them go, that's a 42-yard hookup, that's very likely me in their heads at telling that. So it's not something a lot of people know. It's same thing on TV too. When when you know Nance and Romo are doing games or Kevin Burkhart's doing games and they're telling you what the plays are, there's somebody there giving that information. So for me, my SD background helps with that, and I really think, to be honest with you, doing that job has really helped me as an SID because when we have broadcast for our games, especially when I was doing football games at Nichols, I was constantly relaying to the broadcasters, not just how long the plays were, but what the drive summary was. Hey, six plays, 80 yards, three and a half minutes. That was always stuff I give Bob and Marty. And so it's stuff that I make sure our guys have. So even with, with hockey, when goals and assists, sometimes it takes me a minute to review them, but I make sure I get them to those guys as quick as I can. So they can announce it, even if they beat the PA announcer to it. So it's really helped my professional job. But for me, I still love doing it. There's days where, you know, Sunday morning, I wake up, I've worked six days in a row and I don't want to make the drive to East Rutherford, but I get a good bagel sandwich. I get some pizza on the way home. I have some good friends. I've worked with the Jets for a long time. Um, and if the Jets play well, that's great. Um, but for me, it's become more about the relationships at this point. Um, but going into this year, I, I'm just, I want to see some progress. I hope they get better um, because the last couple of years have been pretty tough for sure. But it's a job I still enjoy. I want to do it as long as I can. Uh, again, the, the commute does sometimes suck, uh, but I enjoy it a lot. And they think I'm crazy for making the drive. But I just, I grew up a Jets fan. I'm, I'm going to be that way till I die. All right, Pete. Uh, tell us about your work with the Worcester Red Sox as well. Sure. Uh, something when I got to Rhode Island, especially when I was working at Savary Regina, we didn't have, uh, we weren't paid over the summer. So we had a 10 month contract, June and July, I wasn't getting a paycheck and I needed money. So uh, I thought what a great way to spend my summer is working with baseball. So I would uh, known Bill Wanless with the Pawtucket Red Sox. I met him through some other uh, decide work I was doing in Rhode Island. And uh, they were looking for people to do their game day software, which is if you're on RedSox.com or Mets.com and you click that pitch by pitch, that's somebody inputting that. And that somebody is me. So uh, there were years in Pawtucket where I did every game in the season. Uh, as it is now when they moved to Worcester and I just have just some different things in my life right now, I do anywhere from 10, 15, maybe 20 games a year. Um, just, again, I love seeing the people. I love spending time in the press box. I love watching baseball. Um, but it's something I've had a lot of fun doing. Um, and I'm always happy to talk to you know, I, one of the fun things for me is being able to bring in students who work for me, uh, sport management majors at the colleges I've been at, to shadow me or even, you know, potentially lead to, you know, an internship with them. It's something I'm always grateful for the people that got me into where I am, especially with the Jets. So I want to try to give that back. So it's something uh, I've been able to bring some people to the Paw Sox, which has been a lot of fun. Now the Woo Sox, of course. But it's somewhere I still, you know, I spent, I've done maybe 10 games this summer. Not a ton, um, but enough where I just, I've seen a good amount of baseball and, and spent some time with people that I like. Well, Pete, before we wrap it up, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your uh, work with the NCAA Hockey Regionals. Also, you've done uh, some Frozen Fours, 14 Hockey East Championships. Uh, every time I go into the garden, uh, it seems like I see you up there. Uh, uh, tell us how much fun that is, and tell us about uh, some of the responsibilities uh, that you do at these regional uh, tournaments. 
sure. I think, I mean, over the years, especially doing the hockey's tournament, I mean, I, I've been, you know, a blogger for hockey East. I've written press releases for them. I've helped with statistics. I've been a transcriber for press conferences. I feel like I've really run the gauntlet of, of jobs to do over there. Um, but again, it's something where just being a hockey junkie, um, it's something I've always enjoyed doing. You know, I first got into hockey. East. Noah Smith was working as the communications person at hockey, East, and he brought me in to volunteer, and he's still a good friend to this day. So um, it's something, you know, following Pete Soros and following Brian Smith now, it just every year it comes around, it's kind of just, you know, the crew has changed for sure. You know, the crew when I started till now, you know, there's only a handful of us that still do it every year. But it's something I block off on the calendar. I look forward to it. Usually March comes, I have my trip to Florida with the softball team. I come back right into hockey. East, and then either it's Manchester hosting, uh, Worcester hosting, sometimes in New Haven, um, sometimes Providence is hosted. Um, and it's something where I just I, I like to think I have a good reputation in the hockey community over the years where they know they can bring me in and do a solid job. So uh, I know when the hockey stats program changed over, really from Statcom Presto to NCAA Genius, I made sure I was one of the first people that learned it. I do a lot of games at Providence because it's right up the street from me, kind of scratches my hockey East itch. And uh, they were looking for someone to score at the garden this year and so i volunteered to do it and i had a couple of former student workers of mine come in and help me out and uh, i thought we did a fantastic job and i really enjoyed it um i think hockey East was really happy with what we did um and it's something i'm looking forward to hopefully in years to come um, you know if my johnson well schedule allows it to come back and do it but again i I've, it's fun for me seeing so many guys go from hockey East to play in the pros um just that i could say hey i saw him way back when Corey schneider one of my favorite devils being one of those guys who i got to watch in hockey east and you know played net for new jersey for a long time so uh, it's something I look forward to doing every year. It scotches my hockey itch. Um, but again, and this year too, it led right to you know hosting the uh, the Frozen Four. And I worked the Frozen Four in 2015. Uh, didn't have a massive role, um, but I was there to help out with whatever was needed. And then this year, kind of got thrown in with the official scores to help out with them. And it just it was a blast. I really love doing it. Uh, it kind of makes me feel important. Uh, but I think I do a really good job with it as well, and that's important to me. Um, so yeah, it's something I have a ton of fun with and it's all volunteer, you know, it's all volunteer, but at the same time, you know, maybe it's a, you know, it's a free dinner here. It's a, Hey, you know, we got a, got a t-shirt for you. You know, we'll put you up in a hotel room for the night. So for me, it's not about the person. It's just about being around the people that I enjoy spending time with and watching some good college hockey. Pete, how can people follow you and how can people follow uh, Johnson and Wales uh, in terms of their athletic uh, competitions? Sure. I mean, you know, we're all over social media. So I've actually, you know, one of my projects been just kind of rebranding our social media handles that really all fall in line. So most of our Twitter handles, Instagram, you know, all underscore J Wildcats PVD. There's also a Johnson Wells campus in Charlotte, uh, but we are the Providence campus. So J Wildcats PVD is somewhere to follow us. Uh, our website, uh, which is under some renovations right now. Uh, I'm not even sure as bad as it sounds that I know the URL off the top of my head right yet. It is providence.jwathletics.com. Again, there's also one in Charlotte. We are the Providence campus, but uh, 14 sports, including uh, Division Three hockey. So we'll get my hockey scratch this year. Um, we're looking forward to kicking off next Thursday with some volleyball, some field hockey, some soccer. Um, I guess looking forward to, get, to getting your going. But um, personally, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Don't have a ton of followers. Don't post a ton of exciting information. Um, I try to keep myself fairly low-key. Um, but if you want some cool pictures of my son and our baseball road trip we took this year, uh-huh. uh, you can find me on Instagram for sure. All right, Pete. Well, we're out of time, but I wanted to thank you uh, very much for coming on. Uh, you've been a good friend for a long time. I enjoyed uh, working with you up at Merrimack, and uh, I wish you continued success in uh, your professional life. And uh, I would wish the Jets luck, but I'm a big Patriots fan, so I can't go that far. But, no, uh, no, no. But I, I think <laughs> both teams are going to you know, try to battle the Dolphins and the Bills for uh, the top spot this year for sure. Absolutely. Well, Pete, thanks again for being with us, and I look forward to catching up with you down the road. You're always welcome on the podcast, so thanks again. 
Thanks so much, John. I hope everything's going well with you, and you know, I look forward to Merrimack Hockey again this year and hearing your voice on the play-by-play. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Pete DeVito with us, the Assistant Director for Athletic Communications at Johnson & Wales, has been our guest. Join us next week. We'll have a College Hockey National Preview with Dave Starman, one of the uh, top college hockey broadcasters and writers in the country. So thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Airing It Out Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.